Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Word from the Realm podcast, an in-depth look at the world of Sarah J. Mass. Join us as we fall through the Word Gate together to discover the true magic of these amazing realms. We are your hosts, Sarah, aka Rosebud. And I'm Avery, Freckles and Fiction. Today, we are doing a deep dive on Crown of Midnight, the second book in the Throne of Glass series. Woohoo! We did it! We made it. Did we? <laughs> oh my God. We're incredibly tired, but we're here. We did it. We finished the thing. We're recording the thing. It's great. How did it take so long? These books were more involved than I think we originally anticipated. Yeah. I think you and I both assumed this wouldn't happen until Era Fire. That would, yeah. Yeah. I just want to remind everyone really quickly. So this podcast is going to be spoilers for Throne of Glass and Crown of Midnight. However, we are vaguely discussing Mass Universe crossover theories. If you are fully caught up in everything Sarah J. Mass, which means Throne of Glass all the way to Sky and Breath, I would highly pay attention. If you are not, just enjoy the ride. We're not going to spoil anything for you. Right. Do you think that covers it? I think that's all the housekeeping. Let's go. (laughs) I feel like everyone else is going to be like, wink, wink, got it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> because just to clarify, Avery and I, when we, we, we've been working on these notes for, well, since we finished the Throne of Glass notes. And for some reason, the last few chapters, like the last 20, I would say, of this book, you and I spiraled at least every chapter. Yeah, there was at least one mini spiral every chapter. Yeah. Because I think I went down like a 45 minute rabbit hole because you said one thing and I was like, wait. Yeah. So at one point it was, I had said something to you and you busted out an, you busted out an Akatar book mm-hmm. and then I discovered something and then we both busted out a Crescent City book. Yeah. And saying which book. <laughs> and there was, there was a lot. This lady is smart, y'all. She's, she's really smart. Yeah. But I would say, and I think you and I both agree that I don't think she intended for some of these things all the way back when she wrote this book. However, right. she was no. able to pick the pieces up. Yeah, I think she I think she decided to do a thing and went back into her other works to decide if those things could be involved. She went back to her archives. <laughs> Look, Avery's giving me <laughs> I love the fact that this is a podcast. Like I'm so sorry you guys cannot see my face right now. <laughs> and the- <laughs> Yeah, we got, got, that was a good one. (laughs) I'm really proud of myself for that. I'm proud of you for that one too. That's good. I don't have a lot of those moments. (laughs) That was a good one. Okay. Well, before we get into the full chapter breakdown, I wanted to take a second and talk about our first time reading this book. And then we can then discuss what the reread was like. But do you remember the first time you read Crown of Midnight? So I wouldn't say I I remember it, but very fortunately for me, my friend wanted me to send her reactions of my first time reading these books because she had already read them. So I have videos of my first time reading these books. But the one thing I do remember with very distinct clarity is that I immediately was like, when Aelin was brought up at the beginning of the book, I was like, Selena is Aelin. I don't know who Aelin is, but Selena is Aelin. This is some long lost princess Anastasia nonsense and I was not wrong well and I have to give you major props because I didn't even make the Anastasia connection until we did this reread together and I was like damn Avery that was really smart down to the 10 years yeah like please 
please remain shocked at my intelligence. Thank you. Stop it. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. But but if you're listening to the playlist, we have it on Spotify. And then I think we are getting someone to do it for us on Apple Music. This playlist has a lot of Anastasia because once you made that connection, we were like, well, and I made the connection in chapter one. Because yes. you you technically started off the book one playlist with an Anastasia song. And it's actually the song at the very end of the movie. So it's back to the beginning. So fabulous choice. This book opens with Selena in her most assassin self. And it is glorious. And the only song that I felt truly represented this moment was Rasputin's In the Dark of the Night. Like that song slapped. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And what's funny is if you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple Music, the Anastasia movie is not on those those like album like those albums aren't on those platforms. I don't know yeah. why. That's a whole other question. So we had to pull like alternative versions, but the notes link to the actual one from the animated movie. Um yeah. I think they're like YouTube uh, yeah clips or something yeah and if you're on Patreon, you are getting a bonus unedited episode of us where we discuss the playlist because it's become a thing now where everyone laughs at us arguing because we spend a lot of time on the playlists. Yeah. She's We're... still not budging on one particular song for me. I am and not. I <laughs> am really upset about it. So... <laughs> I think it's funny, honestly. I know it's one of your troll songs. You're not going to give it up, but I am I... not. <laughs> I don't <laughs> really <laughs> No, but we compromised with a few. There was there's a few yeah. in in later books that we definitely compromised. I just so. I think she's re-added it to the notes at least four times at this point because every time I come across the chapter I just delete the YouTube link. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. I'm like, okay, if you're going to include that song, right? Why not do it when she's actually, I don't know, on fire? It's fine. So well, bad. you'll hear the rest of that conversation in the Patreon episode. <laughs> um, but anyways, so for me, going back to what it was like for me when I did my reread, unlike Avery, I did not see it coming. And so um, past Sarah was a really big DNFer. Like I would, if I didn't like a book, I just stopped reading. Don't know what chokehold this series had on me where I just was sticking with it the whole time. But it wasn't until that last page in Crown of Midnight that I was very much hooked. It just, oh God, it's so good. We'll talk about it, but it is. Yeah, I mean, that's it's what she does well is she, she gives you a world, you think you know it, and then she's like, thought you knew it, here you go. And yeah. you're like, oh crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, Which it, is- and then it just becomes like a whole new hyperfixation for you. And you're just like, I'm not well, it's like. Yeah, neither one of us are well. We haven't been well since we started picking up these books. <laughs> I picked up these books in December of 2020, and then I got diagnosed with ADHD, and everything <laughs> made sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then for the reread, I think, and you tell me if there was anything else you focused on, but I mean, we right. focused on foreshadowing on yes. the series. We focused on anything that was mass universe-esque world building or world building for throne of glass so there was quite a few elements that we focused on and then obviously yeah. favorite moments. anything else i don't think so you it? said mass world building which we know means you know so yeah yeah for anyone wondering when we say that that means like sarah j mass world building like the 
all-encompassing throne of glass crescent city akatar world building because it is similar but different and Mm -hmm. there are elements i mean sarah uses mythology so mythology plays a Mm -hmm. big role in all of it so you can see some of the connecting pieces well and then some of the connecting pieces are just coincidental because fantasy writing so like that's a good point like that you i you've got oracles in all three series and Mm -hmm. like but you've also got oracles in game of thrones you know so like And that's a good point. Sometimes it matters. Sometimes it doesn't. That's why we're pointing it out. Uh, <laughs> both of us are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. we're trying to be good. So <laughs> we're we're doing we're doing okay. We are. Yeah. We haven't spoiled anything yet. No, no. I'm proud of us. Um, yeah, plus. And we can talk about Aelin. Oh, God bless. Thank God. Because that's really tough in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you know. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and do our chapter breakdown section just as a quick reminder for anyone. So the we're basing these off of our notes that are on Patreon and we read a quote from a chapter. We do not give page numbers on the podcast because there's different versions. However, when the notes we base this off of the US Kindle edition, which is annotated. So, yes, just so you know. Um the first chapter we're mainly going to focus on is chapter six. However, before we get there, there was mm-hmm. a lot that happened regarding, and Avery kind of touched on it. She she was sent to assassinate someone, but didn't actually assassinate that person, which plays a role in the book overall. And mm-hmm. we get our first time with Kale. Yay! I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like Kale up until chapter 30. <laughs> yeah! It's chapter nine is the first time I admit that Kale is hot. <laughs> oh, okay. He, I mean, he's cute. And like first read, I knew I was mm-hmm. like, we're going from, I mean, the way we ended Throne of Glass into the first few chapters, like, you know, the direction we're heading, you know, yeah. that they're going to end up together. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Sarah's not stupid, but chapter nine is the first time it's in the notes. It literally says, okay, I'll admit it. That was hot. <laughs> Well, and I think, I don't know if you felt this way, but I remember the first time I read Throne of Glass, like book one, Yeah, it felt very much like Dorian was the lead man for her, but he Mm kind of like stepped off to the side to let her be who she needed to be. And then really these beginning chapters felt like that push for Kale. And I was like, oh, he's stepping up now. Well, and what I think is interesting is in chapter seven, not to get like too far ahead, but in chapter seven, she describes archer as the most beautiful man she'd ever seen which we know in sarah's writing kind of indicates something else but he he gave off certain vibes to me that i was like no he's just pretty he's not like a love interest he's just pretty and he's older too not that much though right yeah no i think you're right but i think he is i i'm trying to remember but i i feel like there's a line about him being older than selena Oh, he he's older than her. I just don't know how much, but like he trained at the at the keep for a little bit before. And, yeah, uh, before he, you know, yeah, became a courtesan. Is that how you say that? Courtesan. Yeah, courtesan. courtesan. I was like, it's a fancy word. I was just reading. Mm-hmm. It on so the there's page. courtier, who mm-hmm. are like Elaine, Lucian. They're courtiers, and then there are courtesans. Which I like how you went ahead and paired Lucian and Elaine in that conversation. <laughs> I mean. I know. Also, in these first five chapters, before we get into chapter six, we see more training with Selena and Kale. So yes. they're they're still actively involved with each other. Dorian is kind of doing his own thing. There's a little bit of awkward tension between the two of them. So that is kind of where the trio is at that point. And then chapter six, we meet Mort. The love of my life. Mort, 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 which I kind of 
I'm not going to lie. I forget. Side note, the court, like the Rosebud's Realm court is obsessed with Mort. So if they weren't so obsessed with Mort, I probably would forget about him. But he is honestly an incredible character. That was just was so in this book. Sassy. He's yeah. so sassy. And like you forget how sassy he is. You do. And he, what I like about him too, is that he is a character that Sarah really used in a an amazing way where he does great exposition but he doesn't reveal everything mm-hmm. he allows selena to figure it out yeah and then he's like finally and yeah. she's like oh shut up yeah exactly we just wanted to call out more and his arrival because he's a fun character he is an intriguing character he is very stationary <laughs> stationary <laughs> yeah yeah how did you imagine more we all know how I imagined more <laughs> like Alice in Wonderland as the Alice in Wonderland doorknob. Yeah. Same. Everybody Same. like this. This character is a literal skull. That's a yes. door knocker. And I imagined him as a sassy doorknob. <laughs> well, it's the same thing with the Minigar worm in Akatar. Yeah. And it being the Alaskan bullworm from SpongeBob. <laughs> it's the same freaking thing. Yeah. It cracks me up. Yeah, that's always a fun little nod. And then moving on, we're going to talk about chapters 9 through 12, because this is one of my favorite moments, which probably does not surprise Avery. But also there is a lot that happens in this one. The reason we're going to bring up chapter 8 is because this is a moment with Caltane really quick. So we see her in this in the cell, and she is bringing up again that she can hear things, which is fascinating in of itself and then also there is a line you know that she's kind of looking like a mess which with the first time you read this you're like oh i didn't really like caltain so this is karma but the second time you have a different opinion i know i can't talk about my girl caltain i know i know because she's still so unlikable at this point yes oh and i'm sorry i messed up chapter eight is where we see her at the end chapter nine is where she talks about there this is an actual interaction interaction with her where she says that she's her headaches are getting worse she's hearing flapping wings Mm -hmm. um if you are fully caught up in throne of glass you wink wink nudge nudge know what that means but up until this this point also the chapter where we find out she is to marry the duke oh yes yes it is yeah, she says not to me. Yes. So she she does. Right, because it's when it's when Selena visits her in the dungeons. Yes. Oh, and this is also when Nehemia brings up something about her guards and Kale steps in to make sure that she has proper guards that will actually protect her. That was hot. A point for Kale on that. He loses points, but, you know, we'll give him the one point right now. Yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll have a tally. Also, do we have because I know we're doing this for the podcast. Do we have a name count on Selena at this point? Oh, she, I don't know. Because she's at, she was she's at, at five. She was at the, uh, she was at five at the end of the last podcast. And then we, she got the nickname Lena mm-hmm. in chapter seven. Yeah. From Archer. From Archer. And then I, Kale, Kale then uses it to annoy her. Yeah. I forget that Archer calls her Lena mm-hmm. and yeah. Oh yeah, that is. But it's kind of one of those nicknames that she doesn't really accept. Yeah. Like it's, it's a kidding one where she accepts her other ones begrudgingly but this is one that she doesn't necessarily think much of right so we won't include it in the official count but just so everyone is aware she does gain another nickname (laughs) yes and Um, it is lena lena um and i actually one time read a fan fiction where a character's name was lena based off of selena and i was like oh "Oh, that was really cute 
So that was, that was a very long time ago. It just jogged my memory. But the other thing that I want to bring up is in chapter nine and I highlighted it. It is the first time, which I thought this was kind of funny. Nehemia, obviously knowing who Selena actually is, is like nudging her more towards like Terrison and trying to get her to talk about it. And she says this great line that says, I think such honor faded from Otterland generations ago, but before Terrison fell, its royal court was the one to set examples. My father used to tell me stories of Terrison's court, of warriors and lords who served King Orlin in his inner circle, of the unrivaled power and bravery and loyalty of his court the yeah. inner circle which is a very famous phrase for another sarah j mass series but i liked that it was brought up in this one and then Hemia goes on to really talk about do you think another court like that could ever rise again not just in terracin but everywhere and that is a beautiful thing to think about throughout the series so just want to bring that up the scarlet dress nothing too crazy uh about this chapter we, i'm saying the name that we put it in the notes but chapter 10 it, this is more well one thing this we didn't very reminiscent of a dress later yes but one thing i didn't bring up is so holland is in town which is dorian's brother and so is R- roland roland is dorian's cousin do you call him roland yeah why i call him roland but my brother has a friend named roland who's that's exactly how it's spelled. So, oh, maybe you're right then. I could be wrong, but I oh, call no. him it's Roland Havilliard in my head. Okay, we'll go with that. Okay, the well, cousin. I was I was very wrong last time. So. <laughs> actually, we I were don't... both we were actually we were both right and wrong, so it kind of worked in our favor in the end. Yeah. Because for anyone who does who for anyone who listened to the first podcast, I called sam hewan the halloween holiday sam hewan and Avery rolled her eyes at me just like she just did because she was like it's actually sam juan is that how you say it right did i say Sawin. Sawin. that's how you say it so in in irish it's it's Sawin, but it's spelled like samain like s-a-m-h-a-i-n so i always said something along the lines of samwin mm-hmm. when i said it and she said sam hewan and i was like that's an actor what are you talking about? Right. Turns out the audiobook, she says Sam Hewen. And I ate my words, but also I don't like it. <laughs> but also you are right in the fact that it most likely is pronounced the other way because it right. is based off of the Celtic holiday. So yeah, it's a mixed thing. Um, but going back to this chapter 10. So those two characters were brought up or they're in town right now. So the one thing to note is that Dorian and Kayla are prepping for a dinner with Holland, but Selena is prepping for a dinner with Archer, which this is one of my favorite moments in Crown of Midnight because she's like getting all dressed up and it's in a dress that's like not really for winter, but she like wants to look like womanly and like sexy and, and all these things. It's also, and I can't remember if it's, it is this chapter that, um, very casually Lysandra is brought up Mm -hmm. it's very casual it's like a one sentence about like someone isn't actually there I think it's something like that which is kind of funny well and it's because we're dealing with Archer Finn and Archer Finn is a courtesan like Lysandra and that is how Elena knows who they are is because yes the courtesan works fairly closely with yeah you find out you find out a lot in assassin's blade and then again it is brought up in queen of shadows that clarice who runs the the courtesan location and aroban who runs the assassin's keep are very good friends and so they kind of both utilize each other 
it is something that is brought up. So they do have a bit of a connection because they were raised somewhat together because these two organizations worked very closely together. Moving on to chapter 11, my favorite line is the fact that Archer, well, Selena says to Archer that I'm here to assassinate you. And he's like, please don't do it. And he says, you know, they want to put Aelin Gal, like the rebels want to put Aelin Galathinius back on the throne. <laughs> Selena says Aelin Galathinius is dead and technically she's not lying to him because at this point in her life she strongly believes that Aelin Galathinius is dead mm-hmm. but homegirl you're sitting right there and you're totally fine <laughs> you alive you alive but and this is a discussion that gets really interesting once you get to air fire about mm-hmm. like Aelin versus Selena but it is you know Archer is He's indicating here, and we find out at the end of Verifier that, like, he's trying to make it sound like that the rebels are the one making this assumption. But in reality, it is Archer, which we discover later on. So, yeah. Um, then we, from there, they go to this party that Archer has told her to attend. And we find out that, and this is now moving into chapter 12, she finds a book. Mm-hmm. It's a, it says A Time's Rift on the book and it has a snake design on it and she gets caught by someone who then poisons her and then he dies and then he dies but while she is being paralyzed and poisoned she runs in the snow and (laughs) i know we're both freaking out runs to kale's room barely makes it tells him tells him the poison and falls down the feral moment of kale because he literally well and that's chapter so that's chapter 13 but going Uh up to chapter no 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 no, no. it's at the very end of 12 oh okay 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 it's the very end of 12 so she basically (laughs) she gets to his door she she says kale but he was already running smashing through his office he bellowed her name as her knees buckled and she fell she saw only the golden brown of his eyes and held on long enough to whisper Gloriella before everything tilted and went black. And he is absolutely feral at that point. And then we find out into the next chapter, kind of like all of the things that happened. Yes. Leading up to her eventually. Waking. But oh my God, her running through Rifthold to get to the castle to then like not be suspicious like, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious, <laughs> to then get to Kale's office to almost pass out was so good. It was so good. And like, you were at this point, Kale is still kidding himself. Like, yeah, he's still kidding himself. And then that happens. And you're like, oh, homeboy, here we go. Yeah. Here we like, go. dude, you were so in it now at this <laughs> point. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is And it's God, also- it was so good. And like, so sexy. I think earlier in a chapter, I I put a note that says like Aylin, you have a type, and it's <laughs> because it was all of the like broad-chested, feral, possessive. <laughs> like, oh, okay, there. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> she also like, and this is one of the reasons I love Aylin. She is very much the type of character where like she doesn't want a man to do like she doesn't want a man to help her she let me rephrase that she doesn't want anyone to help her man or woman okay Mm -hmm. except all these men in her life regardless of if they are a friend foe lover 
she comes running to them when she's about to die and she's like uh i need help and it's like too late yeah and then they're all like then they get all feral and <laughs> and stuff and you know you know how we ladies feel about the feral men oh we're God. just like look i might not necessarily want it in real life but it's nice to read about so yeah oh my god and this is the thing about kale like and we've talked about this like obviously not on this podcast but like in person comparing it to tamlin of akatar you yeah. can never ever once you know the truth about tamlin you can never go back to th- akatar and read tamlin and fall in love with tamlin you just can't it's very very difficult well, and I I was one of the very unique people who did not like him from the start. Yeah, yeah. And you can always go back to Throne of Glass and fall in love with Kale. I'm very, like, Sarah will attest to this while, re- while I was writing the notes. I was just like, I don't want to like him, Sarah. I no. don't want to like him because I know what happens. And she's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the truth is we, I mean, I reread this. I think I reread Crown of Midnight three times now. And every time I love Kale, I love Kale all the way up to Queen of Shadows. And then even like Aelin does in Queen of Shadows, which I'm not going to spoil. But when she sees Kale and how relieved she is to see him, I feel the same way. And then he opens his mouth. So like he is just a character. And this is part of his appeal is like he's a dumb human. And so, like, yeah. you just have to love his, like, humanity. He, he is perfect. <laughs> He's an incredibly flawed character, which is yeah. what makes him interesting. Because yes. if he was just willing to accept everything he finds out, he would not be nearly as interesting. He's literally the Ron in this relationship. Because a lot of people brush Ron off as, like, the dumb idiot in the room. But the reality is... In the three out of the three characters, he is the one that like has to be the normal one, you know, because mm-hmm. like Dorian, we, you know, he's he's about to. Explode. We know what he's about to do. Yeah, he's about to explode. And then you have Aelin and it's like Kale, you know, just. just yeah. like- <laughs> so we need we need somebody who was raised in yes. Otterland. Yeah, we need somebody who is willing to. Uh, very unfortunately for him, bring us back down to the reality of most of the people of Otterland's experience and what their what their viewpoint is. Because yes. there are there are very few people who are going to just be like, oh, the, 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 they're back. Cool. Sure. Everything's fine. We're fine. You know, like, yeah, no, it's true. So anyway, so go. So then moving all the way to chapter 15 and there was, I always forget about these chapters in this book, but there are a few chapters in Crown of Midnight that are not of our main character's points of view. Yeah. Chapter 15 is where we meet Raina Goldsmith, who is a, she is a singer. This is right after, you know, there was a rebellion a little bit in one of the mines and to kind of rebel, she sings a song that she really shouldn't. And it, it, you know, and, and she says, and I'm going to pull up the quote because it, it is, um, it is very short, but she says, uh, her list of dead. And then she goes on to say, my sister was 36. Her name was Lessa. She had two boys. Um, and, and she just, she continues to say that she's been doing this to get to this moment, to be in the King's presence, to essentially 
have this final moment and I'm want to find the exact I have worked 10 years to become famous enough to gain an invitation to the this castle 10 years so I could come here to sing the songs of magic that you tried to wipe out so I could sing those songs and you would know that we are still here that you may outlaw magic you may slaughter thousands but we who keep the old ways still remember and it is such an important moment we wanted to give Raina a moment because it is it's an important moment for us. We need to give her a shout out because yeah. not only that, but the song that she sings evokes a lot of emotion for Selena. Yes. And it's incredibly intriguing to have that sense of foreshadowing. Yes. In this book. Yes. So it is. Uh, and I think that's what Sarah does really well is she has these moments of, you know, characters that surprise you. There's one in Kingdom of Ash that gets brought up quite a bit of they're not of your main group but it is another character's point of view of the world and it it is an important uh moment the other really quick chapter that i'm going to bring up is chapter 17 which is one of the first times well this is the second time i should say that we have seen a ball or a dance and this specific time is when kale and selena get to dance and nehemia and dorian are watching from the sidelines which is kind of a callback to the first book because in the first book we saw Dorian and Selena dance together and Kale kind of watching off to the side and now it's the the situation has flipped and we see a lot in this book that Dorian kind of has a back seat similar to what Kale had in Throne of Glass and a lot of that has to do with the way his relationship is in, you know, the situation now. I mean, she is she is now the king's champion. She is now the king's assassin. And so because she is held to this standard or this position, she has to have a separation from Dorian. So Dorian doesn't necessarily get to dance with her, but Kale does. And Nehemia gets to kind of watch from the sidelines. And it is, it's a really unique perspective and unique moment. Yeah. And I think... The conversation between Nehemia and Dorian is one that needs to be focused on because Dorian very clearly still has feelings. Yes. But Dorian's feelings, he chooses to set aside. Yes. And Something Nehemia else very significant happens during that conversation. Yes. So there's two things. So first is Nehemia is, is tracing a pattern on the glass and she said you and i we will always stand apart we always have responsibilities we will always have burdens that no one else can understand that they will never understand and if they did they would not want them and then she goes on to say you have power in you prince more power than you realize and she just his she touched his chest tracing a symbol there and some of the court ladies gasped uh but nehemia's eyes locked to his it sleeps when it is time, I will help you. And what has been interesting is there was conversations in Throne of Glass about should he potentially marry Nehemia? There was like a very brief moment and Queen Georgina, which I didn't, I'm going to quickly get on a rant because I forgot to talk about this in the first podcast. If there is one character that is the opposite of an MVP, but just in general, the most useless character in the entire series, it is Queen Georgina. It is Queen Georgina. She sucks epically like i don't know where dorian had such a great personality but his mother sucks like she just sucks so i forgot to rant about that so i had to get on my high horse well and she very clearly favors holland yeah why so, like, 
Like, what? Have you have you seen your eldest son? Why? Why? I don't, I don't know. I I have so many questions about that woman, and not enough she, answers. Yeah, her uh-huh. her some of her choices. You're just like, ma'am. Well, yeah, because she becomes like invisible after this. Yeah, she gets referenced a few times. But anyways, so <laughs> yeah. sorry, Sarah needed a rant. I needed a rant. Yes. And then chapter 18, as I like to call this, we have officially entered Elsa Dorian or Snow Queen Dorian because, no. you know, Snow Queen Dorian due to copyright reasons, but Elsa Dorian due to <laughs> let it go. But, you know, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same but, thing. Like, let's be honest. OK, so like Kale has his like very feral moment where like he rescues selena from the gloriella or whatever you want to talk about a character being like really hot that is that is dorian storming i mean storming from the council chambers after telling his father off and saying that his vote is no yes storming away and then punching Oh, was it a wall? Was it a it was, window? Well, like, so this is I know kind of, the window shattered, but like he hit and it. Whoosh. This is what's kind of confusing about <laughs> the glass castle is like, isn't it all technically a window? But I think he had I think he had moved down to. Oh, OK, to the portion of the castle that is not glass. OK, but he did shatter a window. He shattered glass. Yeah. So regardless, because he I wrote it down. It. Hold on. It's in here. Oh, this is another thing that I love. It was, I think this is probably my favorite quote from this book, maybe. Mm-hmm. The rage that dragged him down to the place where he'd felt that flicker of ancient power when Nehemia had touched his heart. You keep tightening the leash and it's going to snap. He says that to his father, just like, sir. Yeah. yeah yes. Because the one and thing, then, we, yeah. the one thing we didn't bring up and I'm just going to, because I'm looking at the quote right above it's, it. It's stone, by the way. He punches stone. Oh, okay. Right above it, it says Roland, Parrington, and the king are now all wearing black rings at this point. Mm-hmm. Because pre- previously, he was not. Right. Roland was not. And now he is. Right. And it drives Dorian a little bananas because Dorian is like, how did he get in with my father and the Duke so easily yes. and so quickly? And yes. that and that bothers him. And then the fact that Roland didn't stand up with him against all of the things that he was just like acquiescing to their suggestions. Mm-hmm. We later find like Roland later comes in and like says some stuff. And then we find out more and like there's a lot that happens there. But yeah, in this moment, Dorian is like. I knew I couldn't like trust you, but I can't believe you're so blind to all of this and he also recognizes his own blindness to this and how he hadn't looked and how he didn't care outside of really of selena about what was going on and he it it makes him almost hate himself a little bit and he's like what am i going to do to change this how am i going to be better what kind of throne am i going to inherit if i don't do something at this stage Yes. And like he starts questioning a lot about the way he was raised and how like and this is where like we start to see Dorian really start to grow as a character. And I obsessed with him. Yeah. I mean, we we talked we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but I would say that kind of going back to what Avery is saying, 
both Dorian and Kale, after rescuing Selena, had a moment where it was like, oh, this isn't good. We were just kind of going with the punches. And now that we have met someone who is dealing with the consequences of the actions of the kingdom that we live in, mm-hmm. we want to make a change. And Dorian's change is different than Kale's change. Yes. So it's very fascinating to see how they're both handling rescuing someone who was put in a salt mine. So it's very, it's very not only just put in a salt mine, but enslaved, enslaved. Yes, yes. Because I think for a very long time, they just assumed, oh, these horrible people are being put into a salt mine. They didn't think about the enslaved part. And now suddenly it is dawning on them. That, oh, this wasn't just a bad person being punished and is now helping, and which they never really addressed what right. they were doing in the salt mines, like why they were. <laughs> in right. Their- like the, the level of punishment. Yes. Does not reflect the crime. Yes. Because there, there are traitors to the crown in, in there, but yes. they're more often than not, the Indovier and Calicola salt mines are not for people who deserve to be there yes yeah i would agree moving on to chapter 19 the only reason i want to bring this one up and this is what's so funny is when we were prepping for crown of midnight we we have a marco polo chat which marco polo for anyone who doesn't know is like an app that's like instagram stories meets snapchat so you can like watch your friends talk to each other and there's one that we have that's private and it's with a bunch of book talkers and i'm bringing up alex really quick because alex is a major kale love And this is the chapter that we find out that the king wants Nehemia to be watched, but he doesn't want Aelin Selena to know. And Kale makes the decision to agree with the king and not tell Selena that there potentially could be a threat on Nehemia's life. And because the reason I bring up Alex is there's so much discussion and discourse around, do you blame Kale for Nehemia's death? And I don't blame him for her death, but I blame him right now for not telling Selena because he knows how important Selena is to her life, like Nehemia is to her. Yeah. I titled a portion of this section of notes, Mistakes Were Made. And it is, it is not a lie, but it is a lie of omission. And he recognizes that he should tell Selena. And that's part of the issue is that it's the recognition. It's him recognizing he needs to tell this person who's important to him because this person that he is now having to protect because of an outside threat is important to her. And he consciously makes the decision to keep her in the dark. And yes, he's torn between duty and his love for Selena and that sucks. And Kale is at the end of the day, he does what he thinks is most honorable Yeah. And in terms of his thought process at this moment, his duty lies with the king and his honor lies with the king. And it does not lie with Selena. While I can understand and reconcile the decisions he's making because of that sense of duty and honor and what he he's doing, what he believes is right, because he still intends to protect her friend. Mm hmm but he does not tell her about the threat that that is where the issue lies. It is in the lie of omission. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. His intentions are bad, but he should have known better. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like you can understand his thought process. You can understand 
well, am I choosing the woman I'm starting to like, or yeah. am I going to choose the kingdom I have served for however many years we served it? So mm-hmm. his job, his duty, his loyalty does not lie with Selena. It lies with the kingdom. And I think that's part of the reason that she like loses it. So yes, yes. hard is because she, her loyalty lied with him. And not with the kingdom. Yeah. And she almost expected a reciprocation of that and was not given it. Selena's loyalty will always lie with people, whereas Kale's loyalty lies with the location, Mm -hmm. which is a very, I never thought about it that way. At this point in time, his, his, his loyalty, let's be, let's be real. It doesn't lie with the location. It lies with Dorian. Yes. And his loyalty is to his best friend and by proxy his best friend's father at this point because that is his job and his duty yeah i think kale also when i mean by location is it also has to do with the fact that he has abandoned aniel because Mm -hmm. he wanted to be with his best friend and so it is in kale's best interest and dorian's best interest for kale to shut up and stick out and just and just be the guy that is loyal to his crown Mm -hmm. because it will be better for dorian at the end of the day because it will be dorian's crown at the end of the day and that's what everyone wants yeah including myself (laughs) so yeah i'm ready for i'm ready for king king dorian king dorian um yay so going to chapter 21 which the only reason i want to bring this up is this is the 10th anniversary which is ironic because we're currently celebrating the 10th anniversary sorry just to backtrack really quickly before yeah. we move on in the chapter we were just talking about is the first time we meet Bobby Yellowlegs also. Oh, I can't believe I skipped that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry. So Going back. Yeah. So we're in chapter 19 still at the very end of the chapter is the first time we meet Bobby Yellowlegs um, because the carnival for Holland's birthday return yes, something birthday. both has come to town. The carnival um, is here. Baba Yellowlegs. Baba Yellowlegs. Now we'll get into her like in detail later, but I yeah. did just want to point out that this is the first entrance of Baba Yellowlegs. And what I really enjoy is how we find out about the witches is actually from Dorian. So yes. Dorian had heard legends of the fallen witch kingdom where bloodthirsty witches had overthrown the peaceful Kraken dynasty and then ripped apart the kingdom stone by stone. 500 years later, songs were still sung of the deadly wars that had left the Iron Teeth clans, the only ones standing on a killing field. But the last croc and queen had cast a spell to ensure that as long as Iron Teeth banners flew, no bit of soil would yield life to them. So I love dearly, because you know me, I love my witches. So yeah. we'll, we'll get into that, obviously, much, much later. But this is the first time we encounter a witch. This is the first time we hear about the witches and their their history and their past and everything. And it just makes me so excited. And it's one of the reasons that I was heavily invested in the witch POVs once we started to get them. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was was this early on. I thought it was coming up. And I and I love Bobby Yellowlegs's interaction with Dorian because Mm -hmm. 
she knows who he is even though he's trying to not tell her who he is which i'm like dorian you're so stupid but it's fine you're young and naive i'll let you well i think so this one's the first one where like it's like kale and selena and dorian all kind of run into her and then there's a later there's a later point in the story where dorian goes by himself to visit her okay and then there's the Bobby Yellow Legs chapter. Yeah, yeah. So okay, there's like okay. three, there's like three moments, but this is the first time. This is okay. like, and Selena is freaking out. She's freaking out. And what I love about this also is um, because this like she goes cold. Like Selena like pulls into herself yeah. at, at the presence of Bobby Yellow Legs and like Kale and Dorian are like, What is wrong with you? Like, are you good? Yeah. And she's like, Oh, let's not talk about it. But um, what I love is one of the lines from this chapter is from Baba Yellowlegs, and it's the witch was grinning at him as she used long metallic nails to pick out something from her teeth. Hide from fate all you like, Baba Yellowlegs said as they turned away, but it shall soon find you. Yes. I was going to say that one. Like, that is That's one of my favorites. Su- it's such a good line. The other thing I just want to throw out here, because, you know, people bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up again, is the fact that they walk by some Asterian stallions. Yeah, and then we get the the nod to Assassin's Blade. Yes, but you know, just want to remember Asterian stallions. Yeah, there's a lot of Asterian things mentioned in Throne of Glass. Yep, just yep. The, something to pay attention to. I don't know. Yep. Okay, now going to chapter twenty one. So the only reason I want to bring this up, which I won't go into full details, but this is the tenth anniversary of what had occurred to selena so she basically tells everyone screw you guys i'm taking the day off i need this time on my own and we do get a flashback to her trying to escape endovier in this chapter and she returns to find kale waiting for her in her bedroom which was actually really sweet like he desperately wanted to know why she left but he wanted to give her the peace you know to have that moment but he is there to comfort her well, and and Nehemia told him why she left for the day at yes. the beginning of the day. Yes. But like, he very clearly doesn't know everything. And he just wants her to know that he's here for her in mm-hmm. any way she needs him to be, which and, is very cute. And Nehemia told him because Selena would not. She was just like, I want to peace out. And yeah. Nehemia was like, well, she left a note. Should... Yeah. But she was like, you but should not probably... about what? Yeah. yeah. Like Nehemia was like, you should probably know why. Like, get an wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Which I think was really sweet. So. Yeah. Then um, chapter 22 was, and so there's a few things that happen. Um, The biggest one is, well, the biggest one is at the very end, which is Kale's birthday. But before that, Dorian is in the library and he is investigating his magic and from the court because he's trying to figure out where does his magic come from and he realizes while looking at the lot and you know looking at the lineage like there is a clear line from Elena Galathinius who had raw magic and so he's kind of doing a bit of a deep dive but then he goes across the Galathinius line and this is one of my favorite moments because he brings up the fact that he did meet Aelin Galathinius and that she may have one day have been his friend and ally or his bride (laughs) I cannot oh I love it and then he remembers her, but what he remembers most is the fact that she was with her cousin, Adian Ashriver, who Dorian does know very well and does not like. And it was because 
uh kale spilled something on aelin's dress and Mm -hmm. dorian was like or adian was like you can't mess with the heir of terrace well and i think what is interesting about us finding out about adian at this point yes is he says that as fate would have it Adian became his his father's prodigy general, fiercest <laughs> warrior in the north. Each encounter with Adian was haughty, and he'd had the distinct impression that Adian wanted to kill him. And I think what's incredibly intriguing about that is what we find out later about Adian. Uh, yes, an era of fire, <laughs> an era of fire. But yes, so <sighs> this is this is our first mention. Yes. What's funny is you can't see us right now, but we're both grinning ear to ear. Because what's, <laughs> what's really funny about this reread is when you know some of these, I know Adian is a contentious character for some people. Yeah. I love Adian to death. I will bring this up till the cows come home that the reason I love Rune and the reason I picked up loving Rune from Earth and Blood is because of Adian. Mm-hmm. And Seeing characters like Adian and Lysandra and eventually Illid get brought up in this series. Yeah. It is like so close to touching them, but you can't. I yet. know. You're just like, I just, I know you're there. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Like, you know, this is what's also crazy is like, and this isn't a huge spoiler for Era Fire, but okay. you know that Adian is on his way to Otterlin, but he misses selena by just a week like yeah the the potential because he was supposed to be there it and kills the, you the, it the, like kills you and i'm telling you the minute 80 oh if adian had seen selena oh, oh hell would have broken loose <laughs> lots first off there would be no denying that they're related no um, well and that's what's also intriguing is you you find out in this book and stuff about Aelin always diverting her eyes when she's near the king. Yes. Well, she does that because she's terrified of him. Well, yeah, but there's also, there's another reason. Yes. There's another reason. There's another reason, but it is, oh my gosh, the potential was so, is so close it's right there. Uh, but if they had seen each other, then we wouldn't get the glory. That is yeah. the mm. queen of shadows moment. That is true. But <laughs> I just, I, so close yet so far Um, so close (laughs) but the and then the only other thing that really happened in this chapter is kale's birthday which i actually loved this because it is the way so like this is this is what's kind of funny and i feel like this happens in real life too when a guy starts to like a girl or when a girl starts to like a guy and then there's a best friend involved it suddenly becomes a competition of who can buy the better gift the girlfriend the significant other or the best friend and, like, that's what's happening between Dorian and Selena. Like, <laughs> Selena, because she's a significant other, she wants to get him a really good gift. And then Dorian's also like, well, I got you a really cool horse. <laughs> like, I paid a lot of money for this. My favorite is that, like, he's like, I got you this really cool horse. And she's like, I had one of those. And he's like, what the hell? Yeah. And then also <laughs> the fact that she's like, oh, I'm taking him for the whole night. And Dorian's like, but, oh, okay, like. It's kind of sad, but it's also yeah. kind of cute. <laughs> so, so Selena takes him to a greenhouse, which I actually love this. And yeah. they have a really sweet moment. But then it has to be interrupted by the fact that Selena has to tell Kale that she's actually not been killing anyone. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Tough time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he, in pure Kale fashion, has an aneurysm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because the poor 
that's the one thing about Kale. He doesn't do well with surprises at all. Oh. Ever. No. He really doesn't. And so he struggles with this little surprise. Um, but he eventually he eventually calms down and accepts it. And yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Because then he gets a little sexy time with Selena, which I always block this out of my mind that she lost her virginity to Kale. Hi, he's hot. Yeah, he is hot, but like he's hot here. You know, right, he is. I don't want to I don't want to discount the fact that like listen, he was a good pick at the time, but we're not mad at him here. We're not mad at him here. I'm not We have to I'm, remind ourselves of that together. I'm not mad at him here. I'm just <laughs> thinking long term, how has Rowan never said anything about this? Oh, I'm sure there's I'm no sure teasing. Off, I'm sure off page, like Rowan has had words. Just like teasing. I think he teases her and I think he's had words with Carol. Yeah. I think also that's the other very interesting thing. I mean, I don't think it's, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who Rowan is. So like, I'm not going to spoil everything about him, but I'm, you know who Rowan is. Yeah. So all I'm going to say is I think Kale and Rowan have always had a respect for each other because they both held commander like general positions. So there was mm-hmm. a, there was a soldier to soldier respect. Which is why I don't think Rowan ever beat the living crap out of Kale. But at the same time, I would just love for a little joke every once in a while. Aelin could take it. <laughs> so well, that's all I'll say. Let's also be honest. The timeline of this book series is uh, condensed, to say the least. Yes. Um, so he probably doesn't want to tease her about Kale just yet. Is like still pretty fresh. Pretty fresh, yeah. But, it'll. it'll she's come, been through. And she's been through a lot. It'll come. It'll come up at like a holiday dinner, and some. So everyone's gonna be really drunk. And I would love nothing more than for him to bring it up, like when you know who comes to help with the. Mm-hmm. 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 Like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just mouthed words that like. I yeah. really try. I I don't want to spoil it for yeah. anybody, but like, there's there would be a moment where teasing would be like super inappropriate, but also absolutely hilarious, and she to, would want to ruin his life. So if this is a if you know you know, so there's a certain character at the end of Kingdom of Ash that is very significant to Kale's life, who indicated that she would return to Aelin if she helped her to help her with one specific thing, and that would be <laughs> the time that Kale would bring. <laughs> time that rowan would bring up kale that would no that would be the time aelin would bring it up <laughs> and would be like this is not the time <laughs> like that would be that would be at least it's not kale yeah also i just love thinking about the fact that dorian is sitting in the corner drinking laughing hysterically 100%. This. this is this is essentially the same scenario as uh asriel more and gwen it's the same yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. is, or asriel more and cassia like this is the yeah. same scenario right here so yeah. it's uh it's it's yeah it i will say thank you so much sarah j mass for making this fade to black i really appreciate it <laughs> didn't <laughs> mental image um so yeah Thank you. 
I really, you know, yeah. this is this is one of the few times I am so grateful that this was not a young adult book and I didn't actually get a description of what went down. Yeah, I don't need that. Yep, no thank you. So, um and then the next chapter is the one that I thought was chapter 20, but that would be chapter 24. No, 23. Yeah, 24. Sorry. Chapter 24. Dorian visits Bobby Yellowlegs. Yes. for answers on his magic now listen avery and i would both agree that baba yellow legs sucks okay however we both get really hyped when she shows up <laughs> first of all there's only one thing i really want to bring up about this chapter and then i'll let you just run with it okay she refers to him as lordling which is a derivative of my favorite pet name for dorian Hell and yeah. i just appreciated it so much because her literally where is it i don't even know anyways i i titled the chapter lordling just because that is my yeah. number one appreciation for this apart from the fact that we find out about the bloodlines of the witches okay yeah sarah so, go so i'm gonna read a few of these um quotes from the notes so the first thing is and there has always been a question about lifespans. So let's quickly talk lifespans. So witches are really blessed with long lifespans of the Fae. Fae or Valg, we never know which one. Demons who stole Fae bred with them and made witches. So witches bred are- Bred with them. Bred with them. Fae were bred with the mm -hmm. Valg to mm -hmm. make witches. <laughs> yes. And why they have blue blood. It is why they have blue. Oh, I didn't think about that. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, anyways. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. That really just clicked. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that sent me in a spiral. Sarah, stop. We'll talk about Sorry. that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. But what is very interesting, and I always love this about the witches, is like depending on which side was more dominant, that is the difference between Kraken and Iron Teeth. So Iron Teeth, Val Iron Teeth take off more of the Valg side, whereas Kraken take off more of the Fae side. Yeah, so the Krakens are technically prettier. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, we know a certain something about some some people. But the, the, it literally says that. It says... If I know, but they're like, but like, Manon is pretty. Well, that's a bad example. <laughs> I, that's This is what I was trying to make the point of, Sarah. Manon is pretty. But so is Astrid. Astrid is pretty, but I think Astrid's pretty in her own right. And I think she might have Based on her personality, she might have a little bit more fey blood in her than most of the Iron Teeth. But again, I think it's the same thing. Like, I, I feel like... This is the okay, other thing. Sarah so, was... Wait, hold on. Sarah's okay. not going to make an ugly Iron Teeth witch as her main Iron Teeth witch. So oh. that's why Manon is pretty. Sure. That's why. Um. Okay. So, like, let's let's think about this logically. Maybe, maybe... The Krakens have closer to Fey blood, and then it kind of goes down that way. So, like the um, crap. What's Petra? The blue blood. Yep, you're right. Yes, you're right. Blue yes, yes. The blue I blood, want every. Is... Wait, hold on. I want everyone to notice that I did know something about the witches because people always think I don't know anything about the witches. I do know about the witches. I just skimmed them the first reread. Okay, keep going. The first read, not first reread. You didn't skim them. Oh, oh, I didn't skim them on the reread. I did not skim them on the reread. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think the Kraken witches have the highest dilution of fey blood. And then I think next comes the blue blood 
witches that look like priestesses. They wear the blue robes. They have the amulets across their brows, that kind of thing. Then it's Blackbeak. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I want everyone to know that I know about the witches. I know, I know. And the witches are my favorite. I'm just, you know, today is a day. Anyways, so the Blackbeak witches are the next, but they I think they have a more even split between the Fae and the Valg. And then I think the yellow legs are like the closest to the Valg in personality and in whatever. But like, I mean, that's there's a reason that Anon and Asterin and all of them are better people than the matron Blackbeak. Yeah. We'll get into it in Fire. We will not get into that now, but yeah, that's a whole damn discussion. But that that was that's an episode. Yeah. That is an episode of in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah, but it is really interesting. I mean, there is a lot of conversation in here about the witches and you know their just lineage, which is always important. And then the fact that she doesn't really give Dorian a clear answer. Like she no. she alludes to things but doesn't really tell him. And so that is kind of frustrating. And then Kale and Selena have sexy time in the broom closet. Yeah. I could have done without that. You know what? I'm glad she's getting all of it out with him so then we can have the good time later. Moving on. <laughs> okay. This is the one time I get to troll Sarah a little bit. Okay, let me have it. Yeah, no, I'm giving it to you. So moving on to chapter 25, and this is what's really interesting about chapter 25, because I forget that when you read this the first time, you have no idea who this is, because I remember the first time I did this with the book club last year, I just straight up said it was Nehemia, and everyone was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Well, spoiler alert, which not really, it's kind of obvious once you know, this chapter is Nehemia and Elena talking to each other. And they are, and this is very, very important for Empire of Storms, just like without spoiling it, mm-hmm. because, and Kingdom of Ash, because uh, Nehemia and Elena discuss the fact that there are potentially two people. However, they are sticking with Selena. And she, and then she says she won't understand. And when she goes over the edge, there will be nothing to pull her back. Now, Elena knows something. <laughs> I'm trying not to get emotional but elena knows something mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the person that's gonna get her back you know yeah why couldn't I mean, we have told nehemia that there was someone at the end of the tunnel i literally i literally put very large letters on the notes do you see them i am looking at that i just oh my baby it's a very short chapter too but it it's a short chapter that packs a punch it does. Yes. And it's a great one. Like definitely reread that chapter. Like chapter 25 yeah. is important. So it's a bit, we only pulled a couple of quotes from it, but like, I think the whole interaction is maybe like three paragraphs. So like, definitely like if you're going back and reading this book, take a look at chapter 25. Yep. Um, okay. So now looking at chapter 27, all tw- 27, really till 30, this is the kale gets kidnapped Nehemia died. Like this is this is all those chapters rolled into one. So the biggest thing is, and I kind of love this is is there is a note in chapter twenty seven that is left for Selena, and it says we have the captain. Uh, when you're tired of stalking us, come find us here. Bring no one, or the captain will die before you step foot in the building. If you fail or to arrive by tomorrow morning, we will leave what is left for him on the banks of the Avery. Hey, 
honestly he should be left in the banks of the avery in another book but anyways i just want to also read this quote because this is a great little callback to kingdom of ash an icy endless rage swept through her wiping away everything except for the plan that she could see with brutal clarity the killing calm there's another i love the killing calm there is another character that has some killing calm and icy rage icy rage in kingdom of ash so you know wink wink nudge nudge i Um, think that's in the like late 20s area of kingdom of yeah it's about chapter 27 26 Mm -hmm. yeah somewhere in there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe 25 i don't remember exactly but that's why i said late 20s yeah late 20s just just enjoy basically 25 to 32 so good so good (laughs) but this is a great kind of this is selena's version this is this is a prelude to that yes um and so she she does go and she so in chapter 28 now (laughs) ironic that it's like the same numbers so in chapter 28 she does go to this warehouse she finds kale and she does kill some of the rebels in this room Mm -hmm. and there are a few others that will play a significant role in (laughs) queen of shadows so you know just throwing in um air of fire so it's both of those and she she takes kale like she's like this is ridiculous archer is in there archer takes an arrow for her yes he does and the reason archer does which we can just go ahead and say this because you find this out at the end of crown of midnight is archer knows that she's aelin because arabin told him that idiot arabin freaking sucks he oh god he sucks so much but so he took the arrow and it is revealed that the rebels have put a hit out on nehemia and it should already be done so they well the rebels find out that there is a hit put out on nehemia not that they oh yes i'm sorry well it's archer (laughs) yes yes but a very specific somebody is framed and somebody is brutally murdered and it is beautiful they need to die anyway it's fine yes yes so and sarah does such a beautiful job of this where you know, we we just saved Kale. Kale is like pretty much not in the best shape, but he's still alive. Like he's not mortally injured or anything crazy. And it's, you know, he's Archer says to her, my sources told me that the king informed you over a week ago that there was a threat to Nehemia's life. Were you planning to tell anyone about that? So then Selena gets really upset with Kale and Kale says that he knew about the anonymous threat, but I was told that she would be questioned by the king, not me. And moments before you arrived, Selena, we realized the captain wasn't the one, but it is not the questioning they're going to do tonight, is it the captain? And Kale didn't answer because he didn't genuinely know. And they say it's too late. So then the next chapter, which we titled Don't Cry, Don't You Dare, is Selena running as fast as she possibly can. Faster than a horse, we later find out. Yes, that she is running so fast that she i mean she basically like plows through the castle once she gets there so it's making a scene yeah she 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 spies dorian like dorian follows her as soon as he sees she's running like yes and they open the door to find nehemia's bodyguards are all their throats are cut open nehemia is on the bed and she has also been murdered she's not been murdered she has been slaughtered yeah it's like mutilated it is awful it is the most gruesome death in this story yeah yeah i think it is it is i mean we find out at the end of crown of midnight that nehemia knew she was going to die it doesn't make it any easier no and she's such a powerhouse 
mm-hmm. of a character that losing her is not only like a blow to Selena, but it's also a blow to the readers because yes. you're just like, she's such a special character. But additionally, I will say, though I would have liked to keep her around for longer, mm-hmm. much like a very specific death in Game of Thrones because of what he was involved in and choices he made. Mm-hmm. Her involvement in certain aspects of the rebellion and choices that she made, even though she knew she was going to die, the death happens because of her choices. Yes. yes. And that is awful, but it is the truth. And it's, yes. you know, any other character who made similar choices that she made probably would have met the same end so yeah it's it's a tough pill to swallow i think it's i mean we without really going into the whole sarah j mass universe Mm -hmm. i will say even where we are today which is nine years after this death yes i still wish nehemia was alive because she could answer a lot of questions agreed and i understand her death like you said her death is while it is tragic it is one of the most impactful moments of the series overall Mm -hmm. and it holds such an important role Mm -hmm. that i don't think i would change it however the way that it occurred is is so tough yeah well that and you know it's recalled later in the series so repeatedly 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 because of the impact of her death and not just the impact of her death on Helena, but the impact of her death on the rebellion, the impact of her death on Dorian, the impact of her death on Kale. All yes. of these characters are impacted by the death of this person and yes. this powerhouse. And the movement is almost stunted because of her death. And it is only through... It's even... Well, it almost catapults yeah. it a little too because they really saw right. her... And I will, I mean, if you're listening to the playlist at all, you'll notice I use Princess Leia music for all, for a lot of Nehemia. And that was intentional because just like the Rebellion in Star Wars, they used Princess Leia as the beacon of hope. Mm -hmm. And when she is taken away, what do you do? Well, then you realize everyone's got to rise up. Right. And so that is what we find out in chapter 33. But before we get to that, I just also want to take a second because I remember as a reader, the first time I read this, I was living blissfully in this Kale and Selena relationship. I really loved them together because they had a mutual understanding of each other that was beautiful. And you knew the moment she was running through the streets of Rifthold, that relationship was dead and buried and there was no going back to it. Right. And it is, and it's sad because- And, and I think- it's not as it's not as that before he even mounted the horse like i think he knew the second she took off yeah they were done and don't like i don't want anyone to hear me say this and think oh is this more impactful than nehemia's death absolutely not it's not but i do remember as a reader it was conflicting because nehemia's death was so hard but then also there was another piece of selena that was dying at the same time there's a there's a quote that Sarah J. Mass does about that. So continue and I'll Yeah. So I think that is one of my favorite things about because you know what Sarah does so well is when she hits when she takes a character and wants to put them at rock bottom, she's gonna put them at rock bottom. So it wasn't just Nehemia's death, who which by the way, 
if for anyone who hasn't gotten to the reread yet or doesn't remember, Nehemia's death plays a huge role in Selena's journey in Air of Fire. And but it is also this mourning of a relationship that Selena could finally it was a it was Selena's first real adult relationship. And I know people are gonna say Sam, but I think that was more of a fantasy young love type of a situation. And it's it's really, really hard. Like it it was a hard hit. I mean, one of the reasons the notes took so long for us Mm -hmm. is because we, I know when I got to Nehemia's chapter on the reread in Throne of Glass, like I had to take a minute because I was reminded of how short we have with her and it's hard to fall back in love with her only to lose her so quickly. So it's chapter 39 is where Sarah puts this quote that we were just talking about. So not to skip ahead greatly, but like, because it's of significance here. Yeah. She says, so it's from Dorian's POV, and she didn't quite know why the words came out, but she spoke the truth anyway, because I have nowhere else to go. Sitting in her rooms in silence made the pain worse. Going to the tomb only frustrated her, and the thought of Kale still hurt so badly she couldn't breathe. Every morning, blah, blah, blah. So Dorian basically says, you will always have a place here. And then he says, clearly she didn't want to be alone, and maybe she needed to be in a place that didn't remind her of Nehemia. Her body was a patchwork of scars he'd seen with his own eyes. But these new scars might go deeper. The pain of losing Nehemia and the different, but perhaps just as agonizing loss of Kale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dorian can even see that it's not just Nehemia's loss that has impacted Selena so greatly. It is yeah. the loss of somebody that she loves. And she straight up told him, you will always be my enemy. Like there's, she it will take a lot for her to come around to Kale. Yeah. And so, and that moves us into chapter 30, which is when Kale arrives and Selena goes, I mean, there's no other word for it, but she goes feral. And she straight up looks at Kale and she sees Red and sees the, sees him no longer as Kale Westfall, her boyfriend lover, but sees him as Kale Westfall, the captain of the guard of Otterlin the kingdom that has done so much to her life and just takes his face and puts four massive scars across his cheek. Yeah, she does the four claw marks and then eventually, yeah. I think only one of them actually ends up scarring. But Yeah, well, and then and then Tower of Dawn, some stuff happens to him. But the it, it, is, it is very impactful to... And, and the other thing too is to keep in mind, when this is happening, all of the guards are coming in and Kale keeps saying like, don't touch her like this is because this is this is a whole other thing is like I don't think everyone was aware of the relationship I think if you paid close enough attention you knew that there was a relationship between the two of them Mm -hmm. but the the guards have been trained since the moment Selena arrived in the castle that she is a threat and that she is violent and all of a sudden she's attacking their she is attacking their captain and he knows that this is not the assassin this is Selena attacking the man that is potentially responsible for the death of her only friend. Yeah. So that's why she's attacking. And then just as a little funny nod, this is the first time we see phantom hands. <laughs> so, and this is actually a really an amazing moment for him to use it for the first time, which is, you know, she is basically going to murder Kale. Like there yeah. is no question if Dorian was not in the room, Kale would have died. She will not stop. She will not stop. And so Dorian uses his phantom hands to essentially, I don't, he, he strangles Selena to the point where she 
becomes unconscious so he does he doesn't actually hurt her but it's it, he he knocks the wind out of her enough to where she can no longer breathe and is knocked unconscious and then kale does the only thing he can do which is he has to bring her to the dungeons and i'm going to be honest i do not blame kale for this i don't know if anyone ever does but in this moment in this scenario this is the only thing kale can do right now yeah so i'm gonna so, defend on that so i have i have it bolded the the part we were just talking about but the blade plunged down and stopped there was a sudden chill in the room and selena's hand just stopped as though it had been frozen in midair her eyes left his face but kale couldn't see who it was she hissed at for a heartbeat it seemed as if she was thrashing against some invisible force but then rest was behind her and was too busy struggling to notice as the guard slammed the pommel of his sword into her head. So they knocked her out. They knocked her but it was partially because Dorian had intervened with his magic. Dorian was holding her hands with his magic to keep the dagger from entering Kale's chest. Oh, yes. right, right. So he didn't he didn't strangle her, but right. it's still okay. Miss Reed, sorry. But it is still very fascinating that I mean, if they didn't do that, it was game over. Oh, okay. yeah. And Kale knows that too. Like everyone Everyone in the room knew that. And Selena later set to, like Selena later confronts Dorian and says, like, you saved Kale's life that day. Yeah. And she's grateful for that because she, no one wants him to actually die. No, and she didn't want him to actually die either. It was it maybe was I'm, fury. Maybe I want him to die in Queen of Shadows, but you know, it was a well, he's just right an now. asshole in Queen of Shadows. Mm-hmm. But we're not there yet. I know. <laughs> so then moving on to which we didn't highlight these chapters to discuss, but the 31 and 30, these are her down in the dungeons, and she has some really amazing moments with Caltain. Yeah. I'm we're not really gonna discuss them because there's other things we, we we need to get to. But yeah. I will say that this moment is a really important moment for Caltain's character. And especially if you are on your reread, I would recommend like taking a minute to really appreciate these chapters because it is so important to see Caltain has a different she suddenly respects Selena in a way that you don't expect, and it is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I wanted to quickly highlight chapter 33. This is one of those mysterious chapters that uh, yeah. us so well because it is a, of a character we never know their name of in the mines. And this is the start of the rebellion in the mines. And this is referenced in Era Fire. Yes. In a horrible way. So that is that. And then going to chapter 37, this is another really important moment. And this is when Selena officially mourns the loss of Nehemia. Like she's, you know, ready to mourn this death. And she goes to her grave and she sings a song in an ancient language that she's not a great singer because Kayla's watching, but she, it is clearly emotional and important for her to sing this song. And this is what sends Kale on a, hmm, he wants to know what the language she's singing in is, what the significance of the funeral dirge is, all of that. But what I think is interesting to note, and the only thing I want to point out about like a quote from this chapter is mm-hmm. she sees him watching her. Mm-hmm. The stillness with which she watched him is yeah. said. And if we know some things about her heritage, that is significant. Yes. This is also the indication, and it's in the next chapter when Kale when Kale goes to the library and realizes that she's most likely of a royal, not royal, but a high noble is, bloodline. Yes. So he Tarasen. says there was no one left in the noble houses to 
kidnapping them. And so he goes into like, which house did she belong to? Her family had been slaughtered. A terrace and nobleman's daughter could hide in the assassin's keep. Like he makes all of these connections. So he believes that she is of noble blood, would have known the Phalaments, and could be the greatest threat he'd ever encountered. Yes. And he keeps it to himself because he doesn't believe that she is at he I don't think Kale truly believes that she's a threat until literally the last page of Crowd of Midnight. So Which is which is fair because at this point he's just yeah. thinks she's a nobleman's daughter. He thinks that if Terrison were able to get to its feet, that she could lead them because she's the last of a noble house. But yes. But that's still a lot of like what ifs for him. So he's like, there's no reason to alert anybody yet. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and these are also like, (laughs) this is when I start kicking myself about how did I not see it coming? But you know, Ari, it's, well, no, it's just funny. So I feel like I need to apologize for seeing it coming. (laughs) No, and literally it's, it's kind of like, so there's two things that I always love to talk about, which is like, you know, there's two types of people in this world. The people that saw the riddle in Akatar and knew the answer and the people that didn't. I didn't because I overthought it. So same thing here. Yeah, no, I guessed the riddle and I knew Aelin and Selena were the same person. Okay, well, shove off. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best thing. Okay, uh, now we are going all the way to chapter 40. We're doing 40 through 44. We're going to try and keep this as concise as possible, but... Oh. Before we do that, just really quick, one little thing yeah. in 39 I want to yeah. point out yeah. um, is Dorian is is talking about uh, Roland and, and Selena teases him about Roland like wanting to dress him and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so Dorian snorted, plumping his pillows. Roland's tried. Thankfully, he's been suffering from awful headaches lately and has backed off. So at this point, we know Roland has a ring. And now he's experiencing the same headaches that Caltain has been. Yeah. So love that. Just um, something to point out. So for anyone who uh, doesn't have the notes, let me just tell you what chapter 40 is titled. It is titled, this is why we don't skip throne of glass. And that is the series throne of glass, because we know that obviously this is no secret. The reason Avery and I are doing this podcast and doing all of this is because of what has occurred in the most recent Sarah J. Mass book. This is what I'll say about chapter 40. And this is what I'll say about the Throne of Glass series. I understand it is overwhelming. I understand that it is eight. It is an eight book series and that it is daunting and that there are multiple reading orders. And you are probably looking at this and thinking, oh my God, where the hell do I even begin? I totally get that. However, if you are going to deep dive if you are going to be like Avery and I and a lot of other people on the internet, you gotta pay attention to Throne of Glass because while it may never connect, it is there are answers and questions and things that occur in this series that do. I personally, I believe that to think that this book series will not connect in any way, shape, or form is a uh, I think Sarah J. Mass loves these characters too much not to involve them. Yeah. And this is a great example. So for anyone who is listening to this podcast who has not finished the Sarah J. Mass universe, we are going to continue to keep this spoiler free. Mm-hmm. However, 
if you are fully caught up, I would highly, highly go back to chapter 40 of Crown of Midnight, bust out your highlighter, or put a big sticky note at the top because have a good time. Ready. This is where. Yeah. Okay. So this is Baba Yellow Legs. This is where Selena interacts with Baba Yellow Legs. So Selena first goes into the wagon and she notices that there's a lot of mirrors and <clears throat> yes i'm just gonna keep doing that for any time somebody needs to pay attention to something i would say. just say cough cough so it's not like a heart attack in the microphone okay <laughs> sorry yeah cough, it's okay cough. it's okay so the first thing bobby Yellig says is done running from fate at last just want to quickly say this gives me such brave in the witch cottage vibes a hundred percent yeah yeah exactly what's happening here i also want to say that already selena smells of pine because it says you do indeed stink of questions and the staghorn mountains from terrison are you what's your name and she says her name is lillian and the witch spat on the ground what is your real name lillian and then yellow legs laughs she goes, do you want want to have your fortune told? I can tell you who you'll marry, how many children you'll have, when you'll die. And I put, yeah, I'd like to know this, but we'll keep <laughs> going. So then they make a bet about Yellow Legs tells Selena that Dorian was here and she's like, I'll sell his secrets to you. And Selena, at this point, keep in mind, does not know that Dorian has magic. And so she's like, I want to buy these secrets so that we can keep Dorian safe because very much like Kale, she wants to keep Dorian safe. And so then they make some betting arrangements and all that. Finally, she walks in to the caravan and it stretches it, it becomes larger. It's, it becomes bigger on the inside, like a TARDIS from Doctor Who. Can you tell we're a little nerdy? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Which Who's your doctor? Quick side note. 11. <gasps> this is why we're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you say Tenet, I'll be like, yeah, it's fine. The second he said Geronimo, I was done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So uh, then Yellow Legs, going back to this. <laughs> so then Yellow Legs goes into a huge conversation about the capital, the Kraken capital city. She explains that this is why her cat wagon is a little unusual. Then, and if you could see the notes, this is all highlighted. So let's discuss the word and nameless. Mm-hmm. So Selena says to her that she's here to get answers about word keys. And yellow leg says it describes the three word keys to open a word gate and selena says name your price and the woman studied her from head to toe sniffing once and said nameless is my price and so that was a very interesting kind of moment yeah nameless 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 cough cough wink wink nudge nudge yeah cough cough wink wink so then um i'm gonna read this as fast as i can but this is basically please just go and read this chapter the word governs and forms the foundation of this world not just aurelia but all life there are worlds that exist beyond your knowledge worlds that lie on top of each other and don't even know it right now it could be standing on the bottom of someone else's ocean the word keeps these realms apart god that sounds familiar (laughs) there's a i'm pretty sure like a certain priestess is looking up something yeah. about stacked world somewhere. Yeah, I think it's a ginger and another white-haired lady. Yeah, mm, okay. who could be related to another white-haired lady. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have lots. I have lots of thoughts <laughs> on that. Yeah. Okay. 
Then there are gates, black areas in the word that allow for life to pass between these worlds. There are word gates that lead to Aurelia. All sorts of beings have come through them over the eons, benign things, but also dead and foul things that creep where the gods are looking elsewhere. Why are the gods looking elsewhere, Sarah? listen okay so then but long ago before humans overran this miserable world there was a sort of evil that broke through these gates the valg demons from another realm bent on the conquest of aurelia with the forces of an endless army behind them and Wendelin, they fought against the fae try as the immortal children might they couldn't defeat them the fae then learned that the valg had done something unforgivable they had taken a piece of the word gate with their dark magic and split it into three slivers three keys one for each of their kings using all three at once the valid kings were able to open the word gate at will manipulate its power blah 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 blah. the word keys were indeed retrieved by the fey queen mave banished uh, wink wink yeah banished the vow to their realm yet for all her wisdom mave discover uh couldn't discover how to put the keys back i'm gonna skip the rest of this and then it says uh the person who holds the keys all three keys have control over the broken word gate so this gate is broken um they would be able to open and close the gate at will they could conquer worlds blah 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 and then conquer world conquer worlds and then it goes on to say that mave gave the keys to brandon is what is in the history books which we will get into later but the main reason we wanted to highlight that is because hi that's maddening hello did you guys get all that if you didn't just go back and read that chapter because it's important chapter 41 before we get to selena killing bobby Yellowlegs, which is obviously important i did want to bring up the fact that kale and dorian are watching from the balcony they're watching the cold carnival they're not watching selena and it's a really interesting conversation because up until this moment, their friendship has kind of been in a weird strain due to mm-hmm. what happened with Nehemia, due to what happened between Kale and Selena about them being in a relationship and Dorian having feelings. But I also really love Dorian's moment in the sun because I feel like some people at this point sometimes misinterpret Dorian as like a himbo, like he's not really paying attention. But Dorian says, you think I'm blind? Do you know why I approached her at Yulma's Ball? Because I wanted to ask her to dance, not because I wanted to ask her to dance, but because I saw the way you two were looking at each other. So there is a clear tension between the brothers because they are mm-hmm. like blood brothers. Yeah. So just wanted to to say that. And then Dorian also says, consider where your true loyalties lie. And that's where that conversation ends. And then Bob and Yellowlegs, I put Bob and Yellowlegs because uh, Selena beheads her. Bob and for apples. Mm-hmm, exactly. So then we go to chapter 42 and this is Selena goes to the tomb where Mort is again. And Mort then explains to Selena that she now smells of a witch killer, which is not going to be good for her when the witches show up. six that's six yep and we see that the mark is on her neck it it looks as if yellow legs nail had pierced her skin right above the collarbone and it says you killed a witch you are now marked by a witch it will not be the usual sort of wound you just landed yourself into a heap of trouble so there is that because she has a necklace of scars is how they describe it Yes. And then there is some more information about the witches, but I'm just going to read the last line, which is, I suspect when the yellow legs learn that their matron's death, they will muster the black beaks and the blue bloods and demand answers from the king, which is an incredible way to tease our witches in air fire. Woo-hoo! 
Yes. So, so then after that, Selena then returns up to her room. She sees Kale there and we discover that Selena has left in her will everything to Kale and she refuses to change it, including her apartment in Rifthold, which is very which important. Which is important. It's very important. <laughs> it is very, very important. So that's that chapter. Now we're going to chapter 43. And this is where another, this is like chapter 40, the freaking clock tower. So for, for anyone wondering when we were doing, I was working on this portion of the notes. Mm -hmm. This is where I did my business. 40 and 43 took me so long because I would write a a quote down and then call Avery and panic. Or we were on Zoom and I would panic. Well, if you, and then if you look at the makeup of the clock tower, there are certain other places as you continue to read that are described in incredibly similarly to said clock tower so it's something to pay attention to you know what else is made of the same material as the clock tower oh no that's actually a different material the mm-hmm. oracle it's not, it's not just hosab it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's that particular location that we go to in uh Akatar. Mm-hmm. so there's a few things so anyway so 43 Selena i'm certain they're like listening to this and going why are they whispering why yeah, can't i yeah. see what they're saying yeah <laughs> So the first thing thing is uh, chapter 43. The first thing Selena goes to grab is the walking dead, which is the book that has a bunch of word marks in it. It is also described as holding information about the debt. I mean, it describes what is in this book. Essentially. She then grabs a piece of chalk and begins to trace two word marks on the door, whispering words and the door opens. So, you know, she just takes it off anyways. Uh, Sarah. (laughs) Anyways. Sarah. (laughs) what that's really rude and you know it quick call out so then she sees that the book worked it says the walking dead had spells to summon demons raise the dead and tortures others until they begged for death so that's what's in the book the walking dead yep that walking dead book is very important for another book series anyways then when she goes down in the tunnels of the library there's a bunch of iron doors and there always a beast in a library i don't know and there's a beast in this library. We see that there are fae depictions on the staircase, which then indicates that this is very old. It looks like these were cells to imprison demon soldiers of Erewhon's army, which Erewhon, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the Val kings. And interesting, cells to imprison mm-hmm. demons and things. Mm-hmm. And as it's a spiral staircase, so she's going down and she's describing them as portals. So she says this is the sixth portal. She goes all the way until she's at the eighth portal, which is very, very interesting. interesting that this is a spiral staircase, much like a, another spiral staircase that has 10,000 steps. Uh-huh. Well, I was thinking of something else that has portals because a seventh oh, portal. Then I know. Portal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I know the portals thing, but like, it's very interesting. Yeah. But she keeps doing spirally staircases. Yes. And then the other thing to note is as Selena is going through this, she is noticing all these iron doors to potentially cells and she's looking at the numbers and she's putting like fires like she has like a torch and so she's lighting it to kind of indicate her way to it and she ends up inside the clock tower and it's making her nauseous. So mm-hmm. that's it. Moving on to 44, she kind of freaks out and also the fact well it starts with dorian dorian discovers that this door is open in the library and realizes of course that selena would find an ancient tunnel in the library so she starts to panic then secret tunnel and then the beast in the library kind of comes alive 
and casual. Mm-hmm. And it, it it looks like at one point it was a human. It has hair still. It's scarring in its mouth. Someone had ripped it open, sewn it shut. It's yeah. very creepy looking. It has broken teeth. Basically, Selena is now running for her life because all of these like torches that she had originally lit are now flamed out. And this is what summons this demon to come out from the shadows, essentially. Egg. A shadow yeah. demon. It's Casual. A shadow, a shadow demon. And then Dorian is like, boop a doop a doo slowly walking his way down. Selena sees him, grabs him, they run. And this is when Dorian's magic reveals itself. And Selena then quickly draws the word mark to like keep it from actually entering the library. So they run all the way back up. And then my favorite is after they have taken care of this demon, Selena says, so who goes first? Because they both clearly have secrets that they need to reveal to each other. So that is that little indication. Only thing I'm going to say about chapter 45 is that Caltane is no longer in the dungeons and she has officially been taken to Morath. So just want to throw that Caltane. So in chapter 46 is titled, I am the first because we find out that, ah, Time's Rift, which is at the bottom of the sarcophagus, is an anagram. Mm-hmm. And that indicates that the first word key is there. However, it is no longer there because the king found it. Yep. And it is also highly implied that the king did not find it on his own. He brought his best friend, Duke Parrington, down there as well. Yeah, a tough time, friends. Tough time. Really, really when tough he time. was young. it's he Mort indicates that it was when he was in his 20s. However, Mort never communicated to the king at that time. So I don't even think the king is aware that there is a talking door knocker. Door knocker. Yeah, but it is a fun little nod. Now, Selena's immediate response, you know, my immediate response to something like that is to summon Elena and get some answers and figure out what the heck to do next. Selena's immediate response is to summon Nehemia. So that is when we get to chapter 47. A choice. Yes. So she begins to kind of prepare this summoning. And if you are fully caught up to Sky and Breath, I highly recommend you reread this chapter. But I will... All I will tell you is Nehemia does arrive and she says, Alentia, you will not understand it yet, but I knew my fate was, was to be, and I embraced it. I ran toward it because it was the only way for things to begin changing for events to be set in motion. But no matter what I did, I want you to know that in the darkness of the past 10 years, you were one of the brightest lights for me. Do not let that light go out. I love that. Yeah, so I just wanted to read that quote because it's very sweet. And then Archer is there and he the shows what? Yeah, so he it's discovered it's revealed that he was standing there in 47, but 48, we discover that Archer reveals that he is one of the reasons Nehemia was murdered. He was the one that set up the assassination. One thing we didn't bring up, and I just want to quickly call out, is when Selena realized or when she assumed who set up the assassination for Nehemia, she goes to find that guy and brutally murders him, goes to the king, and it is the only time in the entire series that she looks the king directly in the eye, kind of winks at him, and everyone, including Dorian and Kale, are terrified because they realize this is the first time that Selena could really partner with the king, and it is terrifying. So yeah. this is a call out to the fact that in that moment, which, sorry, we didn't call it the chapter to that, but in 48, Selena realizes that she that she grabbed the wrong guy. So this is kind of re-bringing out those emotions. But before Archer can really do anything crazy, the monster appears from this portal of hell. I'm going to call it a portal of hell because that's exactly what it is. Or a pocket realm. 
you know, mm-hmm. portal of hell. Yeah. So then 49 is we see this creature and it is attacking. And okay, Gavin shows up at one point and alerts I know Dorian. I, yeah, he alerts Dorian to like run and save his friend. I think that was oh, we skipped it. Gavin shows up in 46, tells Dorian to run and save his friend. Dorian does that. By the time we get to chapter 49, Dorian is now in the tunnels with Kale. And so they are all together. When when it's revealed. When it's revealed. So at the very end of this chapter, because, and this is the best part. So the reason all this happens. So everything's kind of going to chaos right now. There's a creature. Archer has the walking dead and he's running away from it. Kale is like, I don't know what to do. Dorian is like slyly using his magic and no one really notices. And then Selena, because the one thing we didn't call out is Fleetfoot is with her this entire time. Yeah. And this demon realizes that he can't grab one of the humans. So he grabs Fleetfoot and goes through the portal and Kale, this right here, this right here is Kale's like mini redemption for me. Yeah. Because I remember reading this book and going kale just went in the portal after Fleetfoot. like yeah because i was raging i was like i swear to god if she brings a dog into this book series and then murders said dog yes i will right stop reading i will lose it like yeah. no yeah so the do- and this is why this whole thing is important so so Fleetfoot is is in this he shows fleetfoot is with selena going all the way up to when archer shows up so he's there mm-hmm. this entire time but mainly kind of in the background i'm sorry it's a she fleetfoot is, it a is a she. this demon grabs fleetfoot goes through this portal kale goes after knowing how important this dog is and like basically knowing if this dog is gone selena is like done she's <laughs> like done yeah and then selena panics by seeing both Kale and Fleetfoot and goes through the portal and she shifts. And she does this because this land that she is in now has magic. Yes. So chapter 50 is when she is in this hell chasm, as it is described, realm. And she, what I find really interesting is she's, the first thing she says is that it, it hurts. Like it hurts to shift. I'm so, sure. Yeah, so she's like dealing with the fact that her body is adjusting, it's hurting, she can feel this. Well, magic. and she's she's getting her fire magic back. Yeah, right so now. the magic is starting to kind of bubble up to the surface. And we do hear creatures off in the corner roaring at their arrival. We don't spend much time here, but the one thing I do want to call out is the fact that, and I want to call this out, and for anyone who's read Hosab, pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. So she has Damaris in her hand, and she realizes that this is not going to end well for her or Kale or Fleetfoot. So she takes her fire magic, she imbues in the sword, which begins to have lightning, takes it, shoves it into the ground to break this, like, earth, dirt, I don't know what you would call it, uh-huh. and then she, Fleetfoot, and Kale go back through the portal just in time for her to shift back into her human form. Sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. Anyways, so now they're back home. Yep. Kale has questions. Dorian is revealed to have magic to Kale. And I don't think Kale has time to process any of this. No. No. So that's the craziness there. Then 
once Selena has rested somewhat and remembers that Archer took the walking dead, she's like, no bro. So 51 is when she goes and she murders Archer. And one of my favorite things, there's a few quotes I want to call out into this chapter. One of them is, she says, I would rather live in his shadow than in a world where men like you rule which is iconic. And then later on, Archer, who strongly at this point believes Selena is going to kill him, he says, you're not a murderer. And she goes, oh, I am. And continues to try to torture you know, him. And he tries to say, Nehemia wouldn't want you to do this, blah, blah, blah. But one of my favorite things is Selena says to him, you're leaving Rifthold tonight, you and all your friends. So Archer has a moment where he thinks he's free. And he says, I knew you were a good woman. He turns around. Selena takes that moment while he turns around and she says, no, I'm not. Strikes him true through his heart. He is now dead. And she says, but Nehemia was. And it is a very impactful moment in terms of like, she's done. Like she doesn't need to be a good person anymore. Mm -hmm. Like another character in the Sarah J. Mass universe, she's okay with being the villain. Yep. Like a certain high lord. So chapter 52, the only thing I want to call out is the fact that this is Selena and Kale talk the fact that her great-grandmother is Faye. And it looks like she's looking at the Lord of the North. Kale asks a lot of questions about how did you open a portal? She reveals about the word marks to him, but not the full truth. And then Kale goes to his father, because we didn't talk about the fact that his father's been here this entire time, but it's fine. That's because his father's the one. Yeah, his father also sucks. And because the one thing I do want to, for anyone who doesn't remember and is listening to this podcast as their reread, the reason Kale's father is here is because he's trying to convince his son to come home to Aniel to be a lord. So he has spent this entire time to be like, Kale Westfall, you need to come home and be the Lord of Aniel. And Kale's mm-hmm. like, shove off, that's not happening. Well, in this moment, after discovering that Selena is Faye, he goes to his father and he says, I'll make a deal with you. If you back me up on sending the assassin to Wendelin, I will go home to Aniel with you. And he says, deal. So then chapter 53 is when we discover that basically Kale has set them up to go to Wendelin. And Kale's motivation is because she's Faye, he wants to send her really to Dornell. But there's a few misleading things. And the thing that the king is telling her is that she has to assassinate the Ash Rivers. <laughs> okay. So that's the interesting thing. The one quick quote, quote I want to call out is the first mention of the Court of Dreams. And that is that Nehemia had dreamed of a court that could change the world, a court where loyalty and honor were more valued than blind obedience and power. And Selena wondered if Nehemia's impossible, desperate dream of that court might yet come to pass. And Selena is saying that after an interaction with Dorian, where Dorian says how grateful he is that Selena is in his life. So just wanted to read that. Yep. That's basically it. There is a quick moment in this chapter of the king's point of view, which is very interesting because he talks a lot about rings and, you know, you kind of get a little bit more into his mindset, especially if you know the truth about him. It's very fascinating. It's like the king himself is an incredibly fascinating character. Yes. I feel like sometimes his point of view is overlooked, but it is very interesting. Yeah. And we only get it like, what, once a book, something like that? Yeah. I don't think we get it again for a while, but yeah. But like in the first two books, we... We yes. at least get it once. Yes, yes. And then my favorite part, Sel- I'm just so excited. So Selena goes to Elena and she's like, I have to go to Wendelin. And she thinks that Elena's going to be like, no, 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 you need to stay to worry about the word keys. But Elena is like, no, you should go to Wendelin. You should go to Wendelin. And she's like, really? She's like, 
yes, because the captain wants you to find the Fae. You should really go to Wendelin. <laughs> Elena is a sneaky something. You know, the first time I did this reread, it dawned on me why Elena wants Selena to go to Wendelin. I remember the first time I did the reread, the second time I read this, I was like, if you know the story, you're like, Elena knows who's in Wendelin. Why would she want her to go there? But she also knows who's in Wendelin. She knows who's in Wendelin. <laughs> and she, it is confirmed later on in the series that this is why she wanted her to go. And oh my, mm, I smell the pun and so already, y'all. <laughs> I'm so excited. Guys, I wish you could see her face. <laughs> we still got to read Assassin's Blade, but I know she's so ready to get get to her husband. You guys have no idea. Like she's dying. Okay, now that I've calmed down a little bit, I, the last thing I want to <laughs> mention about this chapter is there's a really beautiful moment where Selena asks and she says, when I spoke to Nehemia, she mentioned that she knew of her own fate and that she embraced it. Do you think she somehow manipulated Archer? And Elena says to her, cast that thought into the far reaches of your mind, knowing the truth, whatever it may be, will not change what you must do tomorrow and where you must go. Because I think there is a lot on Aelin's mind. So I think it's just a really sweet moment. We don't really have a lot of them moving forward with Elena. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, just want to highlight that. Yeah. Okay. So the only thing I want to bring up in with 54 mm-hmm. is two things. One, Doreen is pissed at, at Kale for sending a- Selena away. And he says, if anything happens to her in Wendelin, you're going to regret the day you were born. And Kale's response to Doreen is one of us has to start leading, which is... <laughs> Yeah. Oof. And then this is really important for the series. This is the moment that Selena returns to Nehemia's grave and says, I promise that I will stop him and I promise that I will never forgive and never forget what you did what they did to you. I promise that I will free Ilway and I promise I will see your father's crown restored to his head. And she takes the dagger and she slices the left uh the a line across her left palm. And it is very important. This is an important scar for her in the series. So I just want to do that. 55, I titled the most reckless thing because this is number one for anyone who like wants to know where the location of The Walking Dead is. It is in Dorian's room. So I just want to, because sometimes I know, especially in these reread, people always want to know like, where's the book? So as of right now, it is in Dorian's bedroom. Okay. Walking Dead's there. Selena has five minutes with Kale before she has to jump on this boat. And in those five minutes, she tells Kale about the word gates about bobby yellow legs she tells him about the tomb what's stashed in there she tells him about the riddle she basically just word vomits all over kale and kale's like (laughs) okay and then she does the most reckless thing she's ever done in her life and she stands on her toes and she whispers into his ear words that would make him understand words why it was so important to her what it meant when she would return and he's like what does it mean and she says you'll figure it out and when you do when you do, I want you to remember that it wouldn't have made a difference to me. It would never have made any differences when it came to you. I'd still pick you. I'd always pick you, which <laughs> take those words back. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, she, I will say that like in this moment, she, she is even at the end of the series, she will always pick Kale and not his kingdom. So that's an important thing. 56. This is like the, oh my God moment, which is. Kale says that the clue is a date and a month, and it is a date that passed a few weeks ago. It is the day that Selena left the city, and he knows it is also the same date that she snapped it in Dovier a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
So he takes this date and he goes into her room and discovers that there's a few books. One of them is the history of Terrison. And it says when he looks at that date, that this morning, King Orlan Galathinius and his nephew and heir, Roe Galathinius, and his wife, Evelyn, were found assassinated. Orlan was murdered in his bed at the royal palace in Orin. Roe and Evelyn were found dead in their bed at their country estate along the river. No word yet on the fate of Roe and Evelyn's daughter, Aelin. Aelin Galathinius, heir to the throne of Terrison, had died that day or sometime in the night before help could reach her. The assassin who had missed her that night before returned her body was still never found. They believed that she was thrown into the river behind her parents' house. And Kale is starting to piece things together because he remembers that Selena said that Aerobin saved her from a river. Then he remembers something about Evelyn Ash River and the Ash Rivers, which is there is a poem that says Ash River Eyes, the fairest eyes from legends old of brightest blue ringed with gold. And all of a sudden, Hale pieces together that Selena is not in cahoots with Aelin Galathinius, that Selena is Aelin Ashriver Galathinius. And then I just want to read this last sentence that says, or this last paragraph. Selena wasn't in league with Aelin Ashriver Galathinius. Selena Sardothian was Aelin Ashriver Galathinius, heir to the throne and rightful queen of Terrison. Selena was Aelin Galathinius, the greatest living threat to Otterland, the one person who could raise an army capable of standing against the king. Now she was the also the one person who knew the secret source of the king's power, who sought a way to destroy it. And he just sent her into the arms of her strongest possible allies to her homeland of her mother, the kingdom of her cousin, the domain of her aunt, Queen Maeve of the Fae. Selena was the lost queen of Terrison and Kale sank to his knees. Yeah. God, that's such a good ending. We've wrapped up these chapters. Now let's do the last two things. Favorite moment of this book. Dorian has magic. I love, good pick. Um, Literally, because I remember the first time reading it, I remember literally me going, Dorian has magic, Dorian has magic, Dorian has magic. Why does Dorian have magic? It was so, it was so shocking. I was unwell because a lot of the, a lot of the series had kind of been spoiled for me because TikTok, not enough of like the big things, but like, I knew of some stuff. Yeah. That was never spoiled. Oh, I had, yeah. I had no idea he was going to have magic. All I knew was that Dorian Hilliard was the love of most of my friend's life and that I would love him. Yeah. So I was like, okay, no, I'm I'm down. And then he got magic and I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. What is happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. For real. That's a good pick. I, that's an incredible pick for me. It is everything with Bobby yellow legs. Oh yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I think um, for both of us, like the, the information we can get with Bobby Yellowlegs is probably like, yes, it's yeah. top tier content for us. But Dorian has magic. It's just it's- I mean, if I'm going to be totally honest, my favorite thing is when she gets poisoned and Kale saves her. But well, obviously, yeah, but we love the mortal peril. We love a good mortal peril. But the thing that I have gone back and reread, even as I continue with Sarah J. Mass books, it is always the stuff with Bobby Yellowlegs. So MVP of the book, who's yours? This is what's so funny before we recorded this. So before we recorded this, I told Avery that I wasn't going to tell her who my MVP was. I was going to keep it a surprise because I wanted to see her reaction live. I had a troll answer, which my troll answer is Archer because, you know, he kind of helped catapult a lot of the actions, but that's not my true answer. My true answer is actually a tie between two very important characters, and it is Baba Yellowlegs and Mort. Okay, mine was Mort. (laughs) I knew it was. 
because they both like I was like, is it just more? And then I was like, no, it is also Bobby Yellowlegs because Bobby Yellowlegs yeah. is, you know, sure. cough, 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 cough. The reason, you know, she is the first character in the Sarah J. Mass universe to discuss the worlds on top of each other and don't yeah, even know she it. Is, yeah, I, I would be willing to also acquiesce that that is a straight up tie, but something about Mort. Mort is just def- something about Mort. Mort in Rift hold. There you oh, go. For- God's that's sake. for that's for the court that's for team mort you're welcome yeah for those of you that don't know in the court there is a group of them called team mort they spiral like us one mm-hmm. day avery and i are going to do a live with them it's just a matter of when everyone's schedules line up but team mort is awesome we love the court yeah. they're great i think that's everything wait good job we did this well so for everyone listening we just thank you guys for taking the time to listen again if you're driving please drive safe page mm-hmm. to the road Wash behind your ears, you know. God, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> so we will be back to discuss the Assassin's Blade. Yeah. Listen, I just want to get to Rowan, but I'm actually very excited to get to Assassin's Blade. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a really fun time. Hopefully it's a shorter podcast and a shorter note session for both of us. Yes, we would um, like a nap, please. We would love a nap, but Assassin's Blade is very important to the series. Please don't skip it. We aren't skipping it. We are actually both reading it. So we're very excited. There's some really cool. We're excited to revisit some introductions to to some very important characters of the series. So, but thank you, Avery, for taking the time to chat with me. Always. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. And we will be back in two weeks. Bye. Bye.